Well, what a privilege to uh, have talking to us and with us today a, a friend for many years, uh, Josh Vandercluck, and uh, so glad you can be. He's a pastor. We're going to talk a little bit more about his background, but first, let me just welcome you, Josh. Thanks for taking time to talk with me and with our friends today. I, I appreciate the invite. I'm honored. Thank you. Let me tell you a little bit more about Josh. He and his wife, Emily, uh, serve as lead pastors of Resurrection Life in Holland, Michigan, and also Iglesia, and I may be mispronouncing it, Vida. Is that close? Yep. Okay. He uh, graduated from Rama Bible Training School in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and received a BA in International Business from Oral Roberts University. He's lived as a missionary in Mexico. He's very fluent, by the way, in Spanish, which I am not. So we're going to do this one in English. And uh, he served in pastoral and ministerial roles for more than 20 years. The Vanderklucks are an active family. And I just love seeing your pictures on Facebook with you and your wife and your beautiful kids. And uh, you enjoy exploring the beauty of God's creation. And we see that again on Facebook and elsewhere. And uh, you and your wife, Emily, feel passionately called to equip Christians and expand the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus. And we see that, and we know of that. Proud of you. So glad to have you with us, Josh. Thanks again. Thank you. So um, now, again, the Vandercluck family is, is fairly well known in West Michigan. Um, in fact, your dad, Dwayne, is the senior pastor, has been at Res Life, Resurrection Life Church in uh, Granville, uh, Greater Grand Rapids area, for a number of years. That's a huge church, and you were involved in that yourself uh, for a period of time, weren't you, Josh? Yeah. I... And, and what, what was it that kind of led you to, to kind of go off and, and uh, get going with uh, Resurrection Life in Holland? Um, so Resurrection Life Holland is uh, the church where I pastor. It is yes. a church that was planted, uh, I don't know, 16, 17 years ago. I guess it was in around 2014 okay. um, in Holland. And uh, it one of the uniquenesses of that church is that um, we have both English and Spanish services. Okay. So, I mean, it's a regular uh, church uh, at 930 uh, on Sunday morning. And then at 1130, it's the same thing, but in Spanish, worship in Spanish. I preach the message in Spanish. Um, but that church, uh, as I mentioned, was planted many years before. Mm -hmm. It had other leaders, okay. um, but it had always been a church that had both English and Spanish ministry. Hmm. Um, anyway, so little over, like during COVID, um, we were approached by the path, the then pastors, um, Jesse and Marisol Cabrera, um, and asked if we would consider uh, mm -hmm. taking a church. And I mean, long story short, God had been um, speaking to us about that. Well, I had been to that church to speak many times over the years. I used to be a missionary in Mexico, um, spoke there when I would come back, um, things like that. So we, we had a relationship with the church for a lot of years. Hmm. Um, when my wife had been there, uh, the previous time that we'd been invited, the Lord spoke to her and said, this was going to be our church. Well, we didn't have an invite. Nobody had said anything. We just kept sure. quiet. Sure. Um, and, uh, so, um, I had been on staff as a pastor at the Granville, um, Resurrection Life Church, 
there, um, been leading both the Spanish ministry there as well as other mm -hmm. um, parts of the the English, you know, church that everybody knows there in Granville. Um, and so, yeah, that that's kind of how it came to be. It was, uh, you know, summer of the COVID, you know, shenanigans. Yeah. Um, when we were invited to come, we we arrived uh, full time in September and have been there ever since. Okay. Did you physically move your family as well closer to we had, uh, the we church? We had just uh, that, like the first week of, well, technically I think it was the tech second week. Um, the second week of COVID, we had just closed on a home in Jenison. Oh, okay. Um, we have six kids. Yep. Um, and of course they, um, well, they were all in high school or junior high. Um, now we have one that's in college, but wow. uh, we had just moved that March to Jenison, which is between the two locations. Sure it so, is. Um, we still live here in, in Jenison. I'm speaking to you from our home here sure. uh, in Jenison. And then it's, um, it's not a far drive. I just go yep. uh, to Holland for mm -hmm. service and meetings and sure. <clears throat> whatever else there might be. When you talk about COVID and, uh, you know, just, I interact with a number of pastors. In fact, I just came from a, a, a prayer meeting with some pastors here in the Kentwood area and uh, the mayor of Kentwood was there as well. And we, we've been meeting weekly for a number of years, but uh, just, you know, there's some heaviness uh, that, that's been around. It, it, it's a challenging occupation being a pastor in in our time our culture is not particularly friendly toward the gospel and so on and uh, so so how, how is it what what's it like to be a pastor such as you are again you got your own family and uh you know you got a church spanish english um the ups and the downs what what, yeah. what, what what's it like <laughs> it's ups and downs uh-huh um, like you said, I, I, I remember speaking to pastors who, um, you know, by executive order, we were all closed and had to pre-record our services. I remember talking to, to one pastor in particular um, uh, of a, not a Res Life church, but a, also a well-known church. And he actually said, he's, man, I'll be a little bit disappointed when I have to go back to the same schedule I used to have. Cause yeah, sure. So um comparatively in that sense, but then in other areas it wasn't. So it's always a mixed bag. Um, we were, um, you know, our doors were, were closed only in the very beginning when it was, um, you know, absolutely uh, necessary per mm -hmm. the executive orders. Sure. Um, you know, we opened uh, much sooner than many places, but, made many accommodations so that people could uh, mm -hmm. avoid contact and, and be comfortable. Um, the thing that I've seen um, overall, and there are a few, you know, there are a few churches um, that experienced um, extreme growth because, you know, within their denominational or their belief system, they were the one place that was open and whenever the others weren't sure. things like that. Um, but generally speaking, um, what I've heard from from most pastors is that um, giving remained reasonably stable, attendance dropped some, and volunteerism dropped even more. Okay. 
And I would say um, that, you know, if I feel like I'm struggling with anything from any results of COVID um, in a church setting, I would say it was the cultural impact that the lack of involvement had. Mm. And, um, you know, and again, I, this isn't just my congregation. This is something I've heard from literally every pastor that I have asked. Um, and that is that um, levels of, of engagement, of volunteerism, people, are, you know, willing to, to be children's church workers, nursery workers, um, greeters, um, you mm -hmm. know, outreach, yeah. volunteer ministry, Mm -hmm. uh, staff, things like that. All of that um, compared to the other things that you can see and measure with, such as giving and attendance. And, sure, and sure. Okay. Volunteerism is yeah. still the slowest to, to rebound. Mm, okay. Uh, so, you know, I think that, um, you know, huh, there's, uh, we could talk a while on, on what the potential causes of that could be. Um, you know, well, let's, uh, let's, 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 uh, unpack that a little bit more. I mean, volunteerism is okay. I am a follower of Christ and I want him to use me in any way he, he wants to use me, which obviously would include what's done in, at a church, but also what's done in my neighborhood, what's done with the people I'm working with, the people I'm going to school with. If I'm a student sharing the gospel, you know what I'm saying? Would you say that there's there's a commensurate uh, sort of a reduction of Christians being, you know, like the early church where they they spoke the word of God boldly and, and the, the, the church grew? Where is the American church, as best you can see it from your perspective at this point in time, um, as far as, you know, per, you know, being excited about the truth of the gospel and wanting to share it and help and seeing the things grow and, and uh, multiply. Where, where is it from, from your perspective? So you, you hit on a, an important word when you said excited. Um, you know, I find, I, I think that excitement is, can also be described as, as passion. Um, yeah. And that comes from vision and, um, when you get a new volunteer, what you've usually done is you have tapped into their, um, ideally you've tapped into, you, you've cast a vision that they have been become excited about and then they buy, buy in with their time and, and effort. Uh, you know, I think prior to COVID, and I, I, winter drivers here in Michigan, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but when you're driving down the, the road in the winter, um, and you see a dark spot coming up, you know there's a dip in the road. Right. Because every car is piling up slush that's barely holding on. And then as soon as they hit a dip, all of those loosely held pieces of, of slush fall off. Okay, sure. And dark and darker in color than that. And so you can almost, you can anticipate the bump without seeing the bump just by the amount of, mm -hmm. of slush debris that's sure. falling off. <laughs> and in a sense, I think the church was a bit like that. We had a lot of people who were participating um, 
but they were loosely held. And they were participating perhaps because they always participated because right. they used to participate mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and what's expected of me. And what I don't know what would happen if I didn't. I mean, wouldn't people judge me if I if I quit um, you know, serving as an usher or serving in the volunteer sure, and, sure. and and COVID was a big bang mm. and it shook and everybody had to let go mm. for however many weeks. Um and then um, some people didn't, their, their, their activity wasn't tied to a vision. Hmm. It was tied to a duty. It was tied to a tradition. It was tied hmm. to something, um, a hmm. little bit less bonding. Yeah. And so when, when the opportunity came back up, it's kind of like, wait a minute, the, the massive judgment I always thought I would get if I quit serving didn't come. Okay. I guess I don't have to. Mm. Um, and, and I don't even know if it's a conscious thought. It's just that. So, so in my church, we're, we're having discussions and we're trying to figure out how can we create passion and vision? I, I, I will never forget a conversation I had with, um, with some volunteers one time where they came to me and said, you know, we're, we're burnt out. Mm. We're, we're, you know, I'm, I'm at my max such and such a thing. Please don't ask me to do that. I'm like, okay. Like the next day they came to me, I've got this idea Ugh. about something that I want to do. And, and, and I cleared the idea. They then spent three times as much energy doing that thing that they had an idea for mm -hmm. that then it would have taken to accomplish what they had just told me they didn't have time for. Mm. Um, but it just illustrates that um, that it's about that passion. When you have passion yeah. um, and buy-in, and when you're you, the vision of whatever it is you're doing is, is something you're passionate about, mm. then you know you're not you're not counting the hours and, and comparing the the things. You know, I mean, you've got some people, you know, volunteer one weekend a month, every other month, and, and will tell you that they're absolutely swamped. Yep. Um, and then you've got other people who are just so excited. They're, they're like, well, can't we have more activities every, you know, uh -huh. um, it just, and, and there's nothing wrong with, with not being at church every Sunday or every day of the week, every time that the doors are open. Um, but um, I just look and when I see, some of this, I realize it's it's our responsibility to to build that um, that excitement by casting that vision again. Sure. So you, as a pastor, you know you have that role of casting the the vision, but you you wonder, is there something else? I mean, when you think about nations like Iran and China and other nations where Christians are under some persecution. And yet you hear how the churches there are growing, that, that there's a unity, that again, they don't care what denomination you are or whatever. If you're a Christ follower, you know, we're together. And I don't know, there, there, there's something going on there. Whereas in this country and in other nations where it's relatively, quote, easy to, to be a, a Christ follower, eh, it, it's not, there's not as much passion. And you wonder, do we need more challenges? Do we what what's it gonna take for us to 
to be all in with the, the Christ who was all in for us. What's it going to take, Josh? Best you can tell. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I still think back to the illustration of the slush falling off every time you hit a bump. Uh -huh. um, and, you know, we do. We are blessed to live in a, a nation where we have very little persecution um, compared to, yeah. to many other places. I've, I've had the privilege of, of traveling to many other places, including um, communist countries where, where church mm -hmm. uh, growth was banned by the government policies and, and, mm -hmm. and, and experienced exactly what you're talking about when, um, you know, the denomination on the door doesn't matter. It's just, we yeah. love Jesus. And, yeah. Well, that sign's been on there for 50 years. We, you know, um, it doesn't mean much. We just get out our Bibles and, and, and grow together. Yeah. Um, and it's a beautiful thing. And Randy, you know that um, I, I, I'm pretty sure I've shared with you before. I do believe that um, unity within the, the church body is something that God is particularly anointing at this Yes, point. I totally I've agree. Said, I've said before that if we look at church history, we see different moves of God. And, you know, mm -hmm. just recently in the U.S., you know, we can go back um, to when there was the healing revivals and, and, and the healing evangelists and people were flocking to tents to to see Catherine Kuhlman and, and all of those mm -hmm. ministers. Then a little bit later, you had like a teaching revival and then there was teaching was mm -hmm. was passionate. It's not that God didn't heal prior to the healing evangelism movement and he still continues to heal now. Um, it's not that teaching you know, was gone and then it appeared and then it got taken away again, but there was just, God, there was a season when God put a special anointing on that. Hmm. Um, and we can look through church history and we see that there are times when, when there seems to be an emphasis um, through the Holy Spirit on something that God is doing. I personally believe that, um, that there is a anointing and a blessing on God for um, church unity. Mm -hmm. um, and of course the enemy is attacking it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think of things just, uh, just locally hearing about one of the denominations that split many years ago and how they were talking about getting together <laughs> and unifying again. And there was a beginning of that. And then, then there's an attack and pretty soon I turn around, I look back and now there's a third, um, fracture coming from that because they couldn't that's so sad together over legitimate doctrinal arguments but yeah. nonetheless I, I see that the holy spirit is is drawing people in that direction and yeah. also doing um all he can to divide mm -hmm. um, but mm -hmm. i think and it's not about uh, in my opinion it's not about eliminating any denominational lines or or those things it's about um learning to cooperate yeah regardless yeah of, of what that looks like and, and you and i have been a part of many different things that have done that before we started yeah. recording you mentioned that we're going to try to do another mm -hmm. um, interdenominational yeah. prayer meeting like we've done in the past and yeah. to it. um i do i believe that god is is anointing that um you know what is it it going to take i think um if, well, if I had the answer, I'd write it in a book and that would be it. But I, I don't have the complete, uh, the complete um, answer as to what it's going to take. But I, I'm, 
I'm willing to put in the effort. Yeah. We try what what we have before us. That's good. But you're absolutely right. I mean, when you talk about unity, I mean, that's that's Jesus. I mean, the, the day before he goes to the cross, he's praying for us. And in John 17, 20 to 23, he says in four verses that we be one. And then he ends it up in verse 23, that may they be perfectly one so the world will know that you sent me, says Jesus to his father, and that you love them, Father, as much as you love me. I mean, that's an incredible promise. And of course, back in John 13, you know, that they'll know you're Christians by your love for one another, you know, and uh, when the world doesn't see that, they see Christians fractured, you know, well, we're not like them, you know, they speak in tongues, or they baptize babies, or they do this, they give me a break. It's divided between those that are for the Lord Jesus Christ, have them in, have him in their hearts, and he's their savior, their Lord, and they're following him, uh, versus those that aren't. And again, if we were being thrown in jail, if you're being thrown in jail as a pastor, because, you know, you teach this, I mean, that's going to bring us together, and we're not going to worry about some of these these details, but, our, but as you point out, our arch enemy loves to, one of his biggest uh, strategies is to divide and conquer. If he can't do it between us and God, he'll do it between us and our spouse. If he can't do that between us and our kids, and can't do that between us and, you know, fellow believers, and so yeah. we need to pray about that unity. I think that's so important, Josh. I really do. It, it reminds me of, of Romans 14. Hmm. And um, there's, a, there's a verse in there that, we're, that, that chapter, mm -hmm. I love that chapter because it's Paul talking to a group where there was disagreement. The church didn't, didn't agree on everything. Part of the church mm -hmm. thought that you should avoid food sacrifice to idols and celebrate certain days. And a part of the church thought that, you know, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can pray for the food, need anything. And yep. Paul does describe one as being strong faith and weak faith and tells you which is the right answer. But then he doesn't say, now everybody agree and let's all yeah, do it. That's he, right. He gets back and he says, now treat each other with respect. Yep. Bless he who does is not condemned by what he knows. And, um, you know, he, he makes a big point about, like, you don't have to get everyone to agree with you, mm -hmm. but you need to treat each other with respect. Mm -hmm. and don't, don't confuse people who don't see things the way you do by demanding right. yeah. things yeah. the way you do, even if you're right. Yep. And uh, one of the, the illustrations that I've always had is, um, in my mind, well, not always, but that I like, is um, if as a parent, your young child draws you a picture. And let's just say we've got an elementary student, they draw, you know, their first grade kindergarten, they draw a picture and it's the picture of the house and the trees. And there's the stick person out there with the, you know, long hair and that's mom. And then there's dad and, yep. and then the son is up there and he draws the son with a purple crayon. And he writes, you know, I love you, but he spells it L-U-V. Right. Um, if the older brother, who is 12 or 15, you know, comes and says, you know, and, no, they, you can't give that to mine. This, this has no value. Look, huh? your son's purple. They're supposed to be yellow. And love isn't spelled that way. And, and all of that. Like, 
does that please the parents? Do the parents say, yeah, you're right. Good for you. You're, you're, you know, sons aren't supposed to be, no. The parent says, says, stop it. You be quiet. Your, your child, your sibling, your brother just drew this picture for yes. me because yes. they love me. Yep. It doesn't matter to me that they spelled it wrong. That's it doesn't right. matter to me that they, you know, the color isn't true to life with, yep. with which crayons they choose. They are expressing their love to me. That's and right. I love it. He looks, and, God looks to the heart. Yeah. And, makes, and, and, and the makes, parent would probably, instead of jumping on the, the kindergartner for spelling oh, yeah. wrong, wrong colors, he's probably going to turn and point to that older, more knowledgeable um, sibling and say, you've got an attitude problem. Yeah. And you need to, you know, yeah. you need to check it at the door. That's this right. Is, you, this is not yeah. what good. I want from you. I, I want you to to be able to see them through the eyes that I have, which is yep. I appreciate the affection that they're trying to share with me. And when you send something at me, you know what? College age, you will be able to make corrections to the, to the stuff that you're doing now. That's so if true. Get the colors, right? The yep. ratios yeah. may not be. No, that's right. No, you know what? It reminds me of that story of the, the, the widow that put in two little coins. Jesus is watching her. What does he say? She put in more mm -hmm. than all the others. Why? Because she gave everything she had. See, God looks to the heart. And so that little kindergartner with his heart, with a purple sun, you know, and an LUV, that was his heart. And God looks to that. And, and uh, that's what we need to keep remembering is, is just give God everything. And that's what we need to, I think, keep praying for the people in your congregation, the church where we attend here in the Grand Rapids area, starting, of course, with you and me every day. What does he say? If anyone would come after me, Luke 9, 23, 24, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. If there's a dailiness to this choice to follow our Lord. And I just got a question, just to make it a little bit personal here. Again, you were raised, obviously, in a Christian family, dad being a pastor of a large church and so on. Have you been basically a Christian for as much of your life as you recall? Or was there a time of of, of, of rather abrupt turning in? I don't know what your, your testimony is from that standpoint. My testimony. So um, <laughs> I, I was born on the mission field to okay. parents Um and then when I was five years old, they came back to the, to the States. My dad um, took a position pastoring at Resurrection Life that okay. located somewhere else and actually called something else at the time. Mm. Um, but I think there were 300 people and 100 left. So then there was 200. Mm -hmm. um, and that was back in 1983. And they've grown a bit at a time. I think that um, he has said there was only two years where they grew more than 15%. Um, most of the, the growth that that church has experienced has just been over time. And there've been years when they didn't grow, yep. you know, it's just been, um, over time. So, um, that is, that's the environment that I grew up in. I attended, um, Trinity Christian school, mm -hmm. um, all but one year when we tried out homeschooling, I didn't, I was too social for that. Yeah. Um, some of my siblings did homeschool longer, but, um, you asked like, did I have like a falling away? Um, you know, I had a passion for missions from mm. a very young age when I was awesome. 11, 
started traveling back to Mexico. I had forgot a lot of my Spanish. My dad called a pastor in, in Guadalajara, said, these are his flights. He'll be there for a couple of weeks. Please put him with somebody in your church who doesn't speak English. <laughs> and, uh, you know, at 11, I flew uh, on my own to, to Mexico and, wow. and stayed with that pastor and then a family in his church that didn't speak English. And, and every summer after that, I spent um, someplace uh, doing that sort of thing. At first, I was Spanish, but then missions mm-hmm. um, and such. Um, I would say, you know, there's obviously a time when you begin to more, you appropriate yes. um, your faith. I can remember when I was around 14, you know, I had that plan, but kids, kids want things, but what they want and what they're, they get aren't always connected. I want to stay up, but I don't get to, I want to eat candy, but I can't, I want, you know, and, and I, I want to play basketball and what do you know, I get to, you know, like mm-hmm. that's the thing. I remember as a junior higher kind of getting on my knees in the altar of our youth room and just praying and saying, God, what I want is to be a missionary someday and mm. to go into ministry. Mm. Um, if that isn't what you want for me, say something because I'll end up over there. Like if you don't, if you don't stop me, that's where I'm going. That's cool. um, and and I remember feeling that God confirmed in me. No, that's that that's a desire that I've put in you. Um, I'm not saying I I never made any stupid mistakes because I'm sure. Uh, that yeah. I did, but I, I did not have a period of time when I well, praise God, God, praise God. Um, you know, did that. Um, I can say I'm, I, you know, remained, um, you know, consistent in the yeah. sense of my commitments to God. I think, you know, if people ask me, what did my parents do right? Um, in that, I think that, um, you know, I did grow up as a pastor's kid in a, church of a significant size, but I can only remember one time where my dad said, do this because I'm pastor. Mostly it was do this because that's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Don't good. do that because that's the wrong thing to do. That's mm-hmm. displeasing to God. You know, and I remember somebody asking me, they said, well, what, what's it like? I said, you know, if I, if I go to this corner and, and this is what I told them. I was a teenager. I said, if I go to the corner and I moon a car going by, there's a high rec- chance that someone's going to recognize me and, and, you know, it won't be an anonymous act. Um, but if I'm not mooning anybody, I don't have to worry. Mm-hmm. You know? So sure. um, that was, that was me. I didn't, didn't have a period where I, I left, that's you know, good. I've had encountered different challenges. Sure. Oh, we um, all have, but that's great. Yeah. Dig in and, and t- yep. tackle them. But, yep. um, you know, I pray the same for my kids. Um, we yeah, well, let, let's let's talk about that. I mean, this is a challenging time. Now you got a, a, a child in college. Yep. And then kids down to your youngest is uh, what, junior high or? 12, junior high. And uh, boys, girls, what do you got? We have a 19-year-old who's in college, twins, a boy and a girl who are 17, mm-hmm. um, then a 15-year-old, a 14-year-old, and a 12-year-old. And the all of them boys, except for the one girl who's one of the twins. That's okay. All right. Well, that's a ch- that's challenging. That's got its moments. So, yeah. so what, uh, 
you know, talk to our folks about, you know, raising kids to, to love and follow the Lord Jesus Christ in a culture that is really increasingly moving in a non-Christian direction. You know, I think, um, I think the number one, if I just say one thing, yeah. it's, it's be, be consistent. Um, kids, you know, like, like I said, my parents didn't say do this because it makes this look bad in front of the church. They said mm -hmm. do this because mm -hmm. this is the right thing to do. Um, and I look at my own parents, um, they definitely have character flaws and issues and different things like that. But I, de I, I have to agree that for the most part, they have endeavored to do right and pursue mm -hmm. God. And so, you know, I can say they're genuine. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in our own, with our own kids, I think the greatest danger we ever experience is that they would not that they would perceive um, our pursuit of God not to be flawed because we can make mistakes and kids sure. are, are fine yep. with that, um, but insincere. <laughs> if, if I'm two-faced about, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the image that I present, um, that, that I think is is what causes people to question the most yeah. and wonder whether they need to try something else to see if it's more authentic. Right. And I think they look too to, I, I tell some of my kids that one of the, the best thing you can do for their kids, we have you know 35 grandchildren, is the marriage, the relationship between you and your wife. Again, it's never perfect because we're not, but... I think that is such a great foundation for children to see genuine love between dad and mom. And as you say, the real thing and, and what I found painfully um, was the, the, the willingness on my part, the humility on my part to be able, when I do blow it as a dad, I lose my temper. I don't keep my word when I say I'm going to do something and I don't follow through to say those three most challenging English words, I was wrong. <laughs> Please forgive me. To be real. Yeah. Be, be, again, yeah, you can make mistakes. Um, yeah. But admit it, say, I'm sorry. Not, yeah. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm, yeah. That's, that's so important, isn't it? It's hard to do for us guys, especially, because we, you know, we want to be respected. That's, that's a, a high need in our life, but but, our, you know, we got to be real. And uh, in the long run, our kids will respect us more if we're genuine. We don't, we don't, we're, we're vulnerable, genuine, real. Yeah, that's good, man. I love it. That's great. Anything else you want to add before we close? No, but I might be praying that the temperature drops. I, this is winter. We need, we need to be below freezing. Why is that exactly, Josh? Ice will freeze, and we can go out there and skate, and 
and I don't need to have snow on the roads, but you know, let it snow. We can plow it off to the side. Sure. You know, an afternoon where it gets sunny enough to to melt off the road, but stay everywhere else. Yeah. Happy camper. Okay, I get love it. My, love my winter activities. I want to be stomping around in deep snow in the woods and skating on the lake. Well, that is good. Well, why don't you close us in prayer, would you, Josh? Yeah. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to to just share um, with each other, to connect, Lord. We just pray for every person that's watching or listening, Lord. We just ask that you would inspire them. Mm. Lord, we ask that they um, would sense the value of, of serving within their local church and being active and a part there, Lord. We just pray for all the families and marriages, Lord. We just pray your blessing mm. on them. Lord, I ask that you would uh, bless this podcast as Randy continues and everyone that's going to speak and has spoken, Lord, we just pray your protection mm. over them. We rebuke every strategy the enemy uses to come against them, Lord. We rebuke the strategy he's using to divide the church in yes. West Michigan, Lord. We ask for yes. you, Lord, within the congregations here and, and between the congregations here, Lord. We just pray your blessing on it. And we ask that winter would arrive and stay blessing <laughs> until it's time to leave. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. So appreciate you, brother. God richly bless you. It was great. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to grandawakening.org. That's grandawakening.org.